Welcome to the Destiny Youth Podcast. Destiny Youth is the youth ministry of Destiny Church based in Glasgow. Thanks for listening. Who remembers what Lauren was speaking on last week? There we go, in the back. Thank you. Faithfulness. And faithfulness is a... So this week we're going to move on to the next fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness. When I say gentleness, what's the first thing that you think of? A hug? What else? Soft. You think of little kittens? Little babies? Sometimes you can think of a, of a soft person who is really soft-spoken, doesn't enjoy confrontation. They're just kind of like this and just kind of keep to themselves. You think of that, right? Raise your hand if that's the first thing that you think of. It's incorrect, but it's okay because I've been there. I'm incorrect all the time. But Christianity, because people take gentleness out of context, Christianity can be viewed as this weak, spineless, we don't confront people religion when that's not the case. And that attitude actually is extremely repulsive to me. I can't stand it because that's not what we are called to be. So let's look at what gentleness actually is. The Greek word used to describe it is proutus. Everyone say proutus. Proutus. But there is no mention of weakness in the word proutus. Proutus refers to humility and mildness. It refers to controlled power or strength. A better way to put it is a strong hand with a soft touch. If you think of it like this, Eves isn't here, but each time Eves shakes my hand, he always says the same thing. Just like, ow, man. <laughs> like, I have a strong grip when I shake hands. Just sometimes I don't realize I'm grabbing a hand hard. It's a, it's a Texas thing. You, you grip a hand hard when you shake somebody. That's just what you do. But when I hold my four-year-old daughter's hand, there's a much different grip that I use with her than I use with other people. So then, in the flip side, when my daughter grabs my hand, she likes to like play around and try to squeeze it as hard as she can. And then it's like, oh, oh, you're so strong. You're so strong, Meadow. But really, it's doing nothing. And the reason is because she's already soft. She doesn't need to learn gentleness. I needed to learn gentleness. I need to be gentle with my wife. I need to be gentle with my children. Gentleness starts from a place of power. It doesn't start from a place of weakness. Think about it. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, and this is an aspect of God, is God weak? No. Not in any sense. He's the guy who, if he says the word, the universe melts. That's just raw power. But gentleness is an aspect of God, and I don't see God being weak. 
He contains and controls the power he has. Now, I don't want to get too ahead because next week, gospel is going to be speaking on self-control. But this is where self-control goes hand in hand. If you want to be a good man, good woman, good father, good mother, a good leader, you have to be strong for the ones that you love, for the ones that you love, not strong towards the ones that you love. There's a big difference. A man who is strong towards his wife and children who abuses them is a weak man. He's not a strong man. But a man who is gentle to his wife and kids, who is capable of great violence, (laughs) capable of great strength to do what he has to do to protect his family, that is gentleness. So gentleness does not mean you're a pushover. And oftentimes, We see this in the Bible as well. People who are truly gentle and humble can be mistaken for arrogant and conceited. It sounds strange, but let me prove it to you. First, let's go to James 4, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. So submit to the authority of of God. Let's look at another scripture with Jesus. And being found in human form, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what have we established first? Gentleness and humbleness start with obedience to God. That's where it starts. So how can people who obey God be viewed as arrogant? By some people. So let's think back to the story of David and Goliath. Everyone knows David and Goliath, right? Guy has a sling, slings the stone, kills the giant. So David, he's a shepherd. His dad comes to him and says, hey, take this food out to your brothers. They're fighting the Philistines. Make sure that they're fed. David takes a donkey. He takes the food out to his brothers. And then he sees the entire army of Israel in utter shock and fear, hiding from this giant named Goliath. And David sees Goliath, calls him an uncircumcised Philistine, and basically says, why has no one killed this guy? What are you you doing? Why are you hiding behind rocks? And then his brother, named Eliab, who's his oldest brother, says this to him, 1 Samuel 17, 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So Eliab calls David prideful and conceited. But who's actually being proud here? Because earlier in Scripture, the prophet Samuel comes to David's father, Jesse, to anoint the next king of Israel. And Eliab, he's like this six foot four, like large dude. It says in scripture that when he walks up, Samuel goes, this is the guy. This is the one that's supposed to be the next king. I mean, he looks like Chris Hemsworth walking up and he's like, yep, him, he's the next king. And God's like, no, I've rejected him. He rejected him. And what did we just read? The Lord 
rejects, resists the proud. So here's his older brother calling him conceited and prideful, but he wasn't being that. He knew the power of his God. He knew that when this giant was defying God, insulting God, insulting Israel, his response was, nah, we're going to fight. There was no pride in that. It was obedience and a refusal to compromise. So gentleness is a full submission to the Lord and an unwillingness to compromise. Let's look at another example with Jesus. Matthew 18, 28 through 29, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I will give you rest, refreshing your soul with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your soul. Jesus literally says, hey, I'm humble and and gentle, learn from me. But what if I got up here and said the same thing? Some people would have a major problem with that, especially in the church. But it's because our idea of humble and gentle has been skewed so much into this quiet little person who doesn't offend, who doesn't tell people when something's wrong. So when you think of that person who just stands in the back and blends in and doesn't say anything, that's not Jesus. Jesus never did that, and he's the perfect example of humility and gentleness. Look at this. Jesus went to the woman caught in adultery. How many of you remember this story? He goes to the woman caught in adultery. There's a bunch of men ready to stone her, throw rocks and kill her, because that was what the law said needed to happen. And then Jesus stares those guys down and says, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. That's confrontation. So they leave, and then Jesus doesn't stop there. He then confronts the sin that this woman is committing. He says, go on, quit doing this. That's my version, but he says, go. Stop. He confronted twice. Yet we have this idea of hippie Jesus walking around just being nice to people all the time. And he was, but he spoke the truth. Another example I love is when Jesus goes to the temple and he sees the money changers. And what these people were doing was they were getting doves, getting lambs, getting animals for the sacrifices for the temple because people would come from far away with no animal And then you would have to make a sacrifice to be forgiven of your sins, to go into the temple to worship God. And so these people were out there selling doves, selling all these things, but way overpriced, all for their own financial gain. So what does Jesus do? He goes away. He makes a whip. He comes back, just whips the junk out of people, flips their tables over, kicks them out of the temple. Is that gentle? It is gentle in a biblical sense, but in a modern sense, that would not be considered gentle. Jesus took care of business, especially when it was somebody who knew better. 
Oftentimes you see him confronting heavily the religious leaders of the day because they know scripture. They know better. Yet he's more gentle with this woman caught in adultery. So how do you need to grow in gentleness and humility? Because it's not just about physicality. It's not just about physical strength. It's in the way you speak. Your words can be powerful. Proverbs 15.1, a soft, gentle, and thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. Have you ever noticed when two people debate, when it's a good debate, both people have facts, it's, it's mostly calm, and they can disagree on things, and it's great. But you have other debates, like an astrophysicist debating a flat earther. And then there's some people who, when they debate, they start yelling at the other person because they don't have any authority. They don't have any power. They have no knowledge. They have no wisdom in this debate. So they think, if I yell, I assert strength. I assert dominance. No, you assert stupid. That's what you assert. Or modern stuff, like the argument of, can men get pregnant? Somebody's saying, well, if you look at biology, uh, no. Then the other person, you're hateful. How dare you? Where's your facts? I don't have any. I only have feelings. Someone who is gentle and walks in authority and power does not need to raise the level of their volume when speaking to somebody with correction. Jesus never went to that level. He never yelled at somebody and called them a bigot. He never insulted people. He spoke the truth. This is a fun example that I recently saw. This, this is the level of just nonsense that's going on in the world right now. I saw a debate with this woman on Twitter. All I have to say is that. But this woman on Twitter named Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany from Southern California. I'm sorry, Californians. You don't have to associate with Tiffany. It's okay. But Tiffany posts how terrible Israel is for defending itself against Hamas, which on its own is weird, and how Palestine is super accepting of the LGBTQ community, and they're all for women's rights, all these things. And then another guy comments, this man is from Haifa. Haifa is just north of Gaza. This man is a Muslim. And he comments and he says, you don't know what you're talking about. Palestine is not like that. Hamas is not like that. Like, women are pretty oppressed. We even have Muslim borders closed. Two people from Palestine, two people who side with Hamas because they're too radical for us. And then she responds, okay, ignorant Islamophobe, this man literally lives next to the place in question. He literally practices the religion that she is talking about. And anyone 
who can Google, I'll just read you a quote. Hamas co-founder Mahoud Zahar said, you in the West do not live like human beings. You do not even live like animals. You accept homosexuality, and now you criticize us. Homosexuality involves a filthy place and does not generate offspring. Homosexuality leads to the destruction of the homosexual. That is why, brothers, homosexuality carries the death penalty. This is the leader, and yet this woman with no authority, with no wisdom, no knowledge on the situation, full of pride, comes in and tries to correct the guy who lives there, who practices the religion. This is the society we live in now. There is no humility. There's no willingness to learn. Everyone thinks that they know everything. But go ahead, Tiffany from Southern California. Tell me all about your wealth of knowledge of Islam. We live in this society where the idea of gentleness is to shut up and stay quiet unless you're the right person, unless you're Tiffany from Southern California, unless you have the right ideology that they're feeding you. Shut up and say nothing. And it's bred this society of pride to where people flippantly say nonsense as if it's fact, as if it's truth. I want to read this verse where Jesus is talking specifically to the Jews who were denying that he was sent by God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, Satan, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. That's why truth is so important. You have to love people unconditionally. What do I mean by that? You, you do whatever you can to love people the way that Jesus loved people. But you relentlessly tell them the truth. This is where the church has to wake up because the church is so obsessed with not offending anybody. What if they disagree with us? What if they disagree with you? Also, it's not the fact that they're disagreeing with you. They're disagreeing with the word of God. They're disagreeing with God. Who cares about you? They disagree with God. And if we don't tell them the truth simply because we're afraid of hurting their feelings, simply because we don't want people leaving and people stay and they never hear the truth and they never come to repentance, then you're just watching them walk straight into hell with a big smile on your face because you feel good about yourself. And the desperation, please don't leave our church. No, 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 we, 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 you can believe whatever you want, it's fine. Please don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. 
the desperation to keep them in their church and lacking the desperation to keep the presence of God in the church. You have to speak the truth. You have to be unwavering. And if people look at you and tell you you're conceited, that's fine. When you obey the Lord, when you speak the truth, and you walk in the way that Jesus walked, loving people, but refusing to bend, you are walking in gentleness. So like I said earlier, the opposite of humility, the opposite of gentleness is pride. And when Jesus points it out in Scripture, he says, you're children of Satan. He's not being mean. He's telling them the truth. At that moment, they're being children of Satan. They are doing what Satan desires. And what was Satan's first sin? Yell it out. Pride, the opposite of gentleness and humility is pride. Really quick, here is eight signs you have pride in your life. Number one, you think you know everything. When you immediately tune someone out who starts teaching you something that you might be somewhat familiar with, that's an example of pride. It's the assumption that you know everything about a subject and the person communicating to you is beneath you. Number two, it's never your job to fix something. That's beneath me. We have a janitor for that. That's pride. The next time you have that pop into your head, like this bag right here, how many of you, whenever we were playing the game, saw me go in the middle of it and pick up trash and go throw it away? When you look at something like that and you say, someone else will take care of it, think to yourself, what if that was the attitude that Jesus had? Jesus left heaven to come down to the earth to be mocked, to be spit upon, to die on a cross for you. What if he said, ah, somebody else's job. We have sacrifices for that. I don't need to do that. Think about that the next time that thought pops into your head. Number three, you have to learn things the hard way. You don't take advice. When there's people who love you, who want to give you sound advice, and you refuse to listen to it, you have to learn things the hard way. Fun example, me when I was a child, my mom made these things called salmon patties. You grind up salmon, then you make like a burger patty out of it, and you eat it with vinegar. It's yummy. She would make these patties on the stove, and I was always so excited to eat them. She would always say, hey, don't touch the stove. Don't, don't grab them until I hand them to you. The stove's hot. And then, of course, what did I do? Reached up there, grabbed it, burnt my hand. I had to learn the hard way. When somebody is giving you advice, it's not because they're trying to keep you from something good. It's because they don't want to see you get hurt. When you don't take advice, you're prideful. Number four, you get upset when someone doesn't give you attention or affirms your efforts. When someone constantly needs to be the center of attention in public or secretly craves consistent affirmation for their accomplishments, looks, personality, serving, intelligence, physique, it's a sign of pride. Number five, you can dish it, but you can't take it. 
You can criticize everybody else, but the moment that somebody criticizes you, I'm not like that. You don't know what you're talking about. You can criticize everybody else, but when one comment comes to you, it just destroys your day. That's pride. Number six, you cannot and will not submit to authority. God's kingdom is built upon a structure of spiritual authority. Submission. Submitting to God's authority and submitting to the authorities that he has put in your life. My spiritual authority is Pastor Andrew. If I go around thinking that I know better than Pastor Andrew, I'm going above his spiritual authority and I'm throwing myself right off a cliff because that spiritual authority protects you. And we like to think that submission is this bad word. It's not. Sub, under, mission, the idea, the goal. You are under the mission of somebody else. It's not a bad word. It doesn't mean you're a slave. It means you are a part of what is happening. There's a hierarchy in the kingdom of God. He's put your parents in your life. He's put your pastors in your life, your leaders in your life for you to submit. The only condition is when that authority tells you to sin. That's the only condition. As soon as they tell you something that goes against the word of God, like King Nebuchadnezzar telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bow down to my idol and worship it, no. You still show honor to that person in authority, but you say no. Number seven, everyone else is a sinner, but when you mess up, it's justified. When someone graciously points out something in your life and says, hey, I think this is something you could work on, and then you go and try to justify it, It's especially wrong when somebody comes to you with scripture and says, hey, you should work on this. Here's a scripture to back it up. And then you still try to justify it then. You are saying, I know better than God. Number eight, you made it through this list thinking none of these were you. I'm like five of these. We all have pride in our hearts. We all have pride in our lives. You might have been only one or two of them. You might be a screw-up like me and have five of them. The reality is we all have pride we have to work out of us. The good news is it doesn't matter whether you were one of the things on the list or all of the things on the list. Jesus loved you enough to come and die for you to come and die for me, even though I'm prideful and foolish. Pride is the killer of your humility and your gentleness. I care about you guys. I care about your futures, and I care about what what happens to you. And when you look out there and you look at some of the wild things people are doing and thinking that they're correct because of the pride, that will not be you. Would you pray with me real quick? Lord Jesus, we just we come to you first off and we, we repent of any pride that we have in our hearts. 